Good morning, Stone. Oh, Solid Rock. Amen. I'm about to call y'all. Amen. Uh, if you do not know, let me just say now, my name is Valentine, and I uh, am currently a church plant resident at a church uh, called Stonegate. There it is. Uh, Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. So I'm also now in White Settlement preaching. I serve in Midlothian, have a family in White Settlement. Go figure, amen? Amen. God is a good and gracious and kind God. Indeed, it is a, a pleasure to be here this morning. I almost thought that we stopped being family. I mean, so normally I'm here every year, and man, Jason called me on the last Sunday of the year, which means we're still family, amen? So, uh, man, it is good to be in front of family. I do consider you all family. Been coming here now for the past four years. Jason, don't mess it up, amen? Amen. And so, man, it's really, man, good to be in, uh, uh, in front of y'all, man. And man, I just, man, man, just pray with me. Uh, that God would calm my nerves. For some reason, I'm nervous. Uh, man, that he would give me, man, just, uh, uh, some would say, preaching power uh, uh, to make much of him and little of myself. Amen. And so with that said, uh, the goal this morning uh, is to present to you uh, in a small fashion uh, uh, the a topic on the Holy Spirit. Let me be clear and upfront, there is no way that I can exhaust this topic in 35 minutes. And so hopefully, man, this would just, man, this will, this will whet your appetite to further study uh, uh, on him and to learn more about him on this morning. Uh, and someone said, why are you, why, why are you preaching about somebody that we know much of. Well, that's not the case in every church. As a matter of fact, uh, in 2005, I was sitting around uh, a dining room table with a few ministers, and we were discussing the Holy Spirit. And some of these guys uh, 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 said that uh, there was a difference between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. Now, they read from the King James Bible, of course, because that's the only Bible where you see the term Holy Ghost found at. So they were saying that, that, that one receives the Holy Spirit upon salvation. And yet when there is the second working or, 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 or when, when there is uh, the operating of the gifts, then one receives the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Is that right? So I, so, so I kind of knew from that point on, man, Everyone in the church is not familiar with the teaching, or do they understand who and what the role of the Holy Spirit is today in the church? As a matter of fact, as I was studying this sermon, uh, Life Group Research, uh, group, they came up with these stats. They'll be on the screen for your uh, reading. It says sure, that 71% uh, of Americans believe in the Trinity. The concept that God exists as three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sixty-four of them think that the Holy Spirit is a force. 
among those identified as evangelical. Now, when I say evangelical, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying these are people that have a high regard and view of the authority of the Bible. These are people who believe that one must have a life-changing experience by being born again to be a Christian. I'm saying these are people who believe there is a need of the gospel for any change to be made in mission work or social reform efforts. These are also people who believe that in order for there to be the redemption of humanity, that it is found solely in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And yet 64% of them think the Holy Spirit is a force. Let me finish reading. 59% of them say that the Holy Spirit uh, is a force. 31% say the Holy Spirit is a person. And 10% just are not sure e either way. More than one in seven Americans, that is 15%, say the Holy Spirit is less divine than God the Father and Jesus. Can we say that the church that that to the church as a whole there is cause for pause? That this may just be a reminder of for some, but hopefully it will enlighten others. Some say the reason why this issue exists in the church as a whole is that the Holy Spirit is either underpreached underappreciated or overly abused. And if that's the case, the church tends to shy away because he's some kind of mystical force, and, but he's not. And so my goal, my hope is in, uh, over the next 30 minutes to present to you who he is and what he's doing. I have now 30 minutes. And uh, I'm, on, I'm on my timer, amen? So let's do this. So let's go with him as a person. Mark Driscoll in his book says that, that, that when you say he's a person, here's what we're saying. Saying that, saying that the Holy Spirit is a person does not mean that he, the Spirit, became a human being. Rather, it means that he thinks, acts, feels, speaks, and relates because he is a person and not some impersonal uh, 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 force end quote, Mark Driscoll. So we're not saying that, that, that he, that, that the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit became person. The Son of God did that. So we're not saying that. We're saying that, man, that, 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 that the Holy Spirit is a he. So let's see that, first of all, in John chapter 14. Now, if you're trying to do a, uh, some kind of study of the Holy Spirit or, or on him, uh, uh, the greatest teaching of him is found in, uh, between John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Some call that the farewell discourse of Christ. That you see the greatest amount of teaching of him uh, in those four chapters. And so uh, for your hearing pleasures, let me read for you John 14, uh, 15 through 17. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, 
even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, it's quite obvious in this, just in these three verses that the, that the pronoun he is mentioned. But we all know that on Saturday mornings, these particular individuals you know, walk up to your door, knock on your door, having pamphlets in hand, and would want to invite themselves into your home. We, we call them JWs. And they'll, they'll come in wanting to, wanting to convince you that your faith is misguided. So, they will, so you and your kind self will invite them in. They will sit in front of your living room, pull out their Bibles, turn to this particular text, and read as such. If you love me, you will observe my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Sounds good thus far. To be with you forever, the spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive, here it is, because it neither sees it nor knows it. You know it because it remains with you, is in you. And a publication found in 2003 entitled Should, they had this to say about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a person and is not a part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God's active force that he, God, uses to accomplish his will. It is not equal to God, but it's always at his disposition and subordinate to him. To a certain extent, it can be likened to electricity, a force that can be adapted to perform a great variety of operations. They liken the Holy Spirit to an it, to electricity which leads to my second observation. Not only is he a person, but he is a personality. We see this all, all in Scripture. In, 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 in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, the Bible says that we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Have you ever seen electricity be grieved? It, it, it has caused grief but it cannot be grieved. But the Holy Spirit can. In Romans 8, 26, and also in Romans 8, 27b, he prays. In Romans 8, 27, he has a mind that searches the things of God. In Mark chapter 11, and also in Acts 13, 2, he speaks. Have you ever seen or heard of electricity speaking? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 11, he has a will. As a matter of fact, I know there are some of you in here who wish you could sing like Jason Martin. 
that you have, that, that you dream of singing. Like, and maybe you think, well, maybe it was because of his mom and dad that he is gifted to lead us to worship. But the truth is, if the Spirit of God does not will certain gifts to certain individuals, you cannot operate in them to a point where they edify the children of God. It is the Holy Spirit who wills gifts to particular individuals to edify the church and to becoming good for the church. The Holy Spirit is a person who has a personality, but who's also God. Acts chapter 5 points to this. Let me do this first. He is God. So let me, uh, prior to getting to Acts 5, let me go to this. The truth is that, is that he's got, and we see this in, in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse, verse, uh, verse uh, 16. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you, here it is, another helper. Now, who was the first helper? Christ is. So this word another means one of the same kind, or it means that another helping presence. Well, Christ is saying, at my ascension, the Father and I, we're going to send you another helper. Now, in John 16, verse 7, Christ said, it is to your benefit that I go, that, we might, that the Father might send him to you. Now, I have a question for you. If you had the choice, of God the Son walking with you or God the Spirit dwelling in you, which one would you prefer? He said to them, hey man, it is to your advantage, it is, it is to your benefit that I go away, that my Father and I will send him and he will abide in you. So I'm going to send you another... He, He's of no lesser degree or more than. He is another helper just like me. Christ considered himself a helper. But not only is he a helper, we also see the Holy Spirit's work in, in creation. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, he's hovering over the face of the earth. He is, he is, the, administ he is, the, administration. He is the administrator over creation. He is the one ensuring that chaos is not caused and order is brought. In Job 33 verse 4, he is also the creator in, of mankind. Job said it, it, is the, it is the spirit of God that has made me. He's, he's involved in creation of the earth and man. He's also known as another helper, but he's, but he's also God. Now look at me in Acts chapter 5. Luke writes, but a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira had sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, and in highest, 
Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? To keep back for yourself part of the, of the proceeds of the land. While, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Luke is giving the narrative, is giving the narrative of a story where Peter says, first of all, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, but then Peter equates the Holy Spirit as God. So, he was involved in creation. You see that. He's also called another helper. And we also see that he is God. But he is distinct within the Godhead. The Spirit is distinct from the Father and the Son, not because he possesses an, an inferior essence. Rather, his distinction lies in his possession from the Father and of the Son. Can we all agree that the main character in the Old Testament is not the Spirit, is not the Son, but it's the Father? That, 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 that even though we see the pre-incarnate Christ every once in a while, and that we see the Spirit of God come down every once in a while, the Old Testament, the main character, the, the, the main person of the Godhead in the Old Testament is God the Father. Now, we see for, for three and a half years that, 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 from, uh, that found, in the, uh, found in the Gospels, that, no, we see the Father, he appears twice, baptism, transfiguration, and we see every once in a while God's spirit moving. But the main character, while Christ is the Messiah in performing miracles, pointing him to his Messiahship, if that's a word, but back to God for three and a half years, he's the main character. He's the guy. He, he's the man. The father says, has taken a lesser role. But now at the extension, after Acts 1.8, now he gives the spirit of God now to finish the work that the father and the son had started and planned. Do you see this? Now, 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 we see this best in the work of salvation. We see, now, now when, there is a, when there is someone coming to know Christ, the Godhead all three are at work. It's the Father, it is the Father that plans salvation. It is the Son that accomplishes salvation at the cross. But it is now the Spirit of God that applies the work of salvation to human hearts. Some would say this. We live in a unique, climatic period of redemptive history called the days of the Spirit. Somebody has said that the church has made much of the dynamic duo and little of the terrific trio. 
It's just not about God the Father and God the Son. If anyone comes to know God the Father through the Son, it's because the Spirit of God has opened their hearts to see him. It's, it's, he's at work. Even to the point, y'all, listen, and the church, in the church, now not this church, a church somewhere else. Now y'all, y'all, y'all know him. Y'all hear me? Y'all know. Now, so we're talking about other churches outside of White Settlement and Midlothian. But everywhere else, he's not made much of Even to the point, listen to what John Owen says. The sin of despising his person and rejecting his work now is of the same nature with idolatry of old and with the Jews' rejection of the person of the son. He's saying, man, just as they rejected the person and work of the, of the son back then, it's, it's the same thing happening now to, to, in the church where they reject the person and work of the spirit of God. Listen, he's a person that has a personality he is God, and that he was involved in creation, that he is another helper, that we are seeing, that we see him as, as God in Acts chapter 5, that he is distinct in role. Listen, he is so distinct in role. Listen to what R.C. Sproul says about this, about, his, about him, being, him being distinct within a Godhead. R.C. Sproul says this, the Father is unbegotten. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. And the Spirit eternally proceeds from the Father and the Son. We do not totally understand what it means for the Father to be unbegotten, the Son to be begotten, and the Spirit to proceed. As Augustine once said, we use these terms not because we can define them fully, but in order that we might not have to remain silent about the personal distinctions within the Godhead. Our theological statements convey real truth, but they do not exhaust the totality of who God is. Now, I just quoted something to you I don't understand, but it sounds good, didn't it, though? Hey, it sounded great. It sounded good. I mean, he even says, we can't, we can't fully explain this. We can't. That, 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 the, that, that, the father know, that the father never was created, but all of a sudden the son is now begotten of the father, yet he still existed as God in eternity. And yet now the father and the son, they decide to send somebody who's always been with them from the get-go, the spirit of God. It sounds great, does it? No. Go home and think about that song. <laughs> so, in a, in a nutshell, that's, 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 that's the person. In mean, a small, small picture, I mean, that's, 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 it's a robust subject. He is robust in of himself. I'm only here trying to whet your appetite to go home and study more about this wonderful and gracious person. That's his person. And I, I can tell by the looks on your faces, you're saying, 
what's his purpose? And I'm so glad you asked. That's a good question. That's, that's legit. So let's turn to the Bible again. In John chapter 15, verse 26. And it reads, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. John 16, 13, and 14 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Check out verse 14. He will glorify me. As the son's aim and goal was to glorify the father, it is now the role and aim of the spirit to glorify the son. My friend and mentor, my, 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 my coach from afar, J.I. Packer. Y'all, he's my homie. He has this to say about this. The Spirit's message to us is never, look at me. He's saying that you will never hear the Spirit say of himself, look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me, but always look at him, see his glory, listen to him, and hear his words, get to him and have life. No, go to him and have life. Get to know him and taste his gift of joy and peace. How do you know that the Spirit of God is moving in a church or a person or in a group? Because they are, because it is the Spirit's job to make much of Jesus. How do you know that the preaching is Christ-centered? Because it is the Spirit of God that points us to the person and finished work of Christ. How do you know that, that the singing is Spirit-filled? Because it's the singing that points us to the gracious and good Savior of Christ. It is, how do you know that, that your serving is Spirit-filled and led? Because your serving should make little or, or nothing of you and much of Jesus. When the Spirit of God is moving in, in, in a particular way, he's going to make more majestic Christ. That's his job. It's never about him. So it should never be about you. Never. If you are depending, and if you are walking in humility, man, your whole aim is to allow the Spirit of God to move and to work in you in such a way that Christ is being made much of. Is that happening? His whole aim is to glorify Jesus. Is that your life call? Are you allowing him to do that work that good pleasure in you? Well, let me just make it more personal. How does this happen? All right, I'm going to 
talk about four things, four things, and then I'm going to sit down somewhere. Number one, guilt and shame is of the flesh. Conviction of sin is of God. Whenever you are convicted of sin and or of righteousness, the Bible says in John 16, 7 through 11, that's the spirit doing that, not you. That whenever you are convicted and convinced enough to turn back to God the Father through the Son, that's not you doing that. That's God the Spirit convicting not only believers, but also sinners to turn to him. So he convicts of sin, but he also converts saints. Listen, listen to me, listen, listen, listen. I know that you have the baddest preacher in white settlement. I know that. I know he's cold. I, I know he's bad. But if he, but if his preaching does not, if he's preaching and the Holy Spirit does not come along and there's a strong, a strong demonstration of his power, no lies are saved. I don't care how well you present the gospel. If the Holy Spirit does not make sense of the gospel to those individuals, they will not become saved. If they're going to be born again, Christ said, they must be born again of the Spirit of God. He converts. This should bring rest to your souls. When you're going and you're sharing the gospel to lost people who don't think like you, look like you, dress like you, it's not on you for them to come to know Christ. That your prayer, you should have what we call a prayer huddle. Holy Spirit, go before me. And work in them what, what my wit and wisdom cannot do. Will you please bring salvation? And while you, and while you are presenting the gospel, and if, the, if it's the will of the Spirit to, to enlighten one's heart, to come to know the Father through the Son, it happens, but it has nothing to do with you. It's all about him. We plant, we water, but only God gives the increase. Only God converts souls. Only the Holy Spirit is able to apply the finished work of Christ to one's heart. He convicts he converts, but he also sanctifies. Isn't that good news? But here's what I wanted to make clear tonight or, or this morning. You are sanctified to be sanctified. <laughs> this is incredible. According to 1 Corinthians 1, Verse 31, 30 and 31, that when you 
came to know Christ, and God placed you in Christ, who is our sanctification, the Bible says, that you were positionally sanctified. Here it is. Even though you struggle with sin, and all of us do, because of God's work of of, of placing you in Christ at salvation, whenever you mess up because of Jesus, when God the Father looks down, he sees you as holy as Christ is holy. That's positional sanctification. That, 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 That you are as holy as Christ is holy. No matter what your struggle is, when your gracious and good father looks down on you, he sees saints and not ain'ts. But now, he's sanctified you to now sanctify you. Now, while you're left on this earth, making a change by proclaiming Christ with your life and lips by the power of the Spirit, he is conforming you into the image of Jesus Christ. You are fully sanctified, but you're also being sanctified. Positional, progressive. It's good news to know that no matter how much of a mess my life can be, that when my father looks down on me, he looks down on me through Christ, and he loves me as he's loved Christ, and he sees me as holy as Christ is. That, my friend, is good news. You have been sanctified to be sanctified, and that's the work of the Spirit of God. Wow. How does this happen? Well, it's because he now dwells inside of you. That, can y'all just imagine this? The God of the universe. <laughs> he dwells in my life to make a difference of my life by using me as a tool to make much of him. That, 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 that. Now, that God, the Spirit, He lives inside of you. When was the last time that that blew your mind? That the God who was involved in creation of the earth and of man now has decided to make his dwelling within me. Your life should be different. Should it not? Your talk should be different. Your walk should be in word, deed, and thought. You should be different because the God of this world has chosen to dwell inside of you. He's taken away your excuse. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the I promise you, if you ask me to fill you, to control you, To mold you, I promise you, I promise you, there are times on earth you can imitate me. That is amazing. 
Paul would even say, follow me as I follow Christ. That God wants to use us in such a way that when people see you, when they hear you, they see and they hear Christ. And it's not because of your education or lack thereof. It's because of the Spirit of God that dwells inside of you. He lives inside of you. There should be some difference. My bald-headed friend, Francis Chan, we, we have something to come, y'all. We are both bald. In his book, Forgotten, he has this to say about this. As believers, we ought to experience the same kind of astonishment when the Holy Spirit enters our bodies. We should be stunned in disbelief over becoming a new creation with the Spirit living in us. As the caterpillar finds its new ability to fly, we should be thrilled over our spirit-empowered ability to live differently and faithfully. Isn't, it, isn't this what the scriptures speak of? Isn't this what we all have been longing for? It really is an astounding truth that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He lives in me, he says. I do not know what the Spirit will do or where he will lead me each time I invite him to guide me. But I am tired of living in a way that looks exactly like people who do not have the Holy Spirit of God living in them. I want to consistently live with an awareness of his strength. I want to be different today from what I was yesterday as the fruit of the Spirit becomes more manifest in me. I want to live so that I am truly submitted to the Spirit's leading on a daily basis. I don't want to keep crawling when I have the ability I don't want to keep crawling when I have the ability to fly. If I can borrow a line from R. Kelly, say, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky, you see. Now, now y'all, now, now, that's heresy, amen. That's heresy. But, yeah, just, but, 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 but spiritually, spiritually, and your conversion and metamorphosis went down. That, 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 that while he converted you by giving you his spirit, now you don't have to live the way you used to live. Romans 6.14 says we can master sin. We can master sin. Sin, we can put to death 
sin in our lives. But not us. As we submit ourselves to the prompting and unctioning of the Spirit of God, man, we can live free of sin and free to righteousness. Paul, who's a bad boy, he said it this way. Now, unto him who's able to do far more abundantly to that which you can think or ask according to the power at work in us. To him be the glory, Paul says, in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Paul says that because of God's spirit at work in us, that we have the ability to do far more abundantly than what we can think or even ask. Y'all listen to me. I just came from Houston this past weekend. Played spades with my father-in-law on the same team, talking about miracles. We, in a sense, can't stand me. He can't stand me at times. I can't stand him. But at this time, I said, God, I really need you to show me how to love him. Because you know I will never do it. I'm selfish, and I don't like him. Help me to love him as you do. Y'all, we got alone for two full days. <laughs> That's amazing. That's God's spirit at work in me, if not in him. But God took the excuse, the, the excuse of what I couldn't do. So, son, I know you can't do it, but I'm able to do far more abundantly than what you can think or even ask according to my power that works in you. Why? To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, we thank you. that you and your providence made a way for salvation, not based on the work of man, the will of man, but because you've given us the right to, to become sons and daughters of yours through the proclamation of the Spirit, but yet more so through the demonstration of the Spirit of God. And Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We don't acknowledge him much anymore, but these are the days of the Holy Spirit. 
where he is preparing hearts and minds, not only to come to you, but to know you. That if he doesn't work, that if he's not active and involved, God, nothing is happening. So I repent of not making much of him in my own life. Choosing to walk in my own wisdom, in my own might, in my own strength. Trying to do what only you can do. Father, I pray this morning that, that God, that, that we will all come to the realization that it is you who will and works your good pleasure in us. Of the Holy Spirit. And Father, to that one or anyone in here who don't know you, unless the Spirit converts that person, unless he urges them to come he or she will never come. So we're praying now that you would save. That in this room, that you would save right now that, that individual or those people who don't know you. God, we're asking that the Spirit of God would now, God, convert them and convince them to come to Christ and to see their need for a Savior right now. Will you please do that? cannot save. Lyrics to a song cannot save. Only you can. So when you apply the person who finished work of Christ today, this morning, in someone's heart, God, we love you and we thank you so much the presence and power of your spirit dwelling and living in us. Help us to call on him on a daily basis to fill us, control us, that you might be made much of in our lives. In Jesus' name we do pray.